What's going on, 9 a.m.? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're joining us. Can we give it up for all of our family that's joining us online right now? Man, we love you guys. We're so happy to have you joining us here today. We are in a series called Psalm 23 that we've been in over the last couple of weeks, and we have been doing something that we don't normally do in our church. We've been going verse by verse through one of the most famous passages of Scripture and that's in the entirety of the Bible. And I don't know about you, but I've been learning a whole bunch as I've been studying for this, and my hope is that you've been learning a lot about your good shepherd and how he wants to move in different ways in your life. And if you've missed the last couple of weeks, I want to encourage you to go back online and watch the last couple of weeks as we've dove into this passage of Scripture that I believe has so much life for us uh, in, in so many different aspects of life. And so today, uh, what I wanna do is I wanna do something a little bit different. I wanna read through Psalm 23, but I wanna make this kind of like an all-skate moment where I need you guys all to participate with me, and we're actually gonna read Psalm 23 together out loud, not just under your breath. I, this is not a big crowd at 9 a.m., so I can actually see everybody that's in this service. So if you're not reading, I will stop you. Listen, even mass people, I'll come over and listen by you. Uh, I want to make sure that, that we're reading this together. And so they're going to put it up on the screen, Psalm 23, starting, on, starting in verse 1. Uh, I'm, I'm going to count to three, and then we're all going to read together, okay? Everybody got that? Okay. That wasn't everybody. Say yes. Yes. Man, that's good. Online people, I expect you to be reading at home. I expect you to be talking to your TV or your computer or your iPad, whatever you're watching on right now. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Six verses packed with so much good stuff in them. And over the last couple of weeks, we dove in in week one, and we talked about the very beginning of this, and David is the author of this, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And we talked about the fact that we have a good shepherd who is a personal God who wants to know you intimately and personally. Not only does he want to know you, but he wants you to know him. And so he wants to have this intimate and personal relationship with you. And then the second week, we dived in, and we talked about the importance of rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures and that everything with God actually begins with this idea that he wants you to come from a place of rest. And then last week we talked about the fact that God is the ultimate thirst quencher, that, that no matter what we're longing for, the, the things that we're hoping for in life, ultimately the thing that is gonna satisfy the depths of our soul is going to be found in our relationship with God. And this week we're gonna, we're gonna jump into verse three. And what's interesting about this is I actually thought verse three was gonna be a part of last week message because I, I thought they kind of flowed together. But as I started studying it, I realized that they're actually two separate thoughts that uh, 
that were in there, it says that he leads me beside quiet waters. Then in verse 3, it actually says he refreshes my soul. And, and so when you think about that, you think, oh, man, that's like a cool glass of water on a hot summer day that, that just is like so refreshing in life. But as you start studying this and as you start looking at this, uh, the only version that actually uses this language, he refreshes my soul, is the New International Version or the NIV and as you start looking at the other versions, the NLT, the New King James, the ESV, they all use a different phrase in this, and, and, and it, it kind of changes the meaning of it. So all the other versions say in verse 3, he restores my soul. Now, there's a big difference between he restores and he refreshes. In fact, that word restores is the, the Hebrew word shwub. Now, I, I'm kind of guessing at that. That's what Google told me it sounded like. But it, it, it looks like this. So I'm going to put it up on the screen. The word shwub, it actually means to repair, to restore, to bring back. And so when you start to look at that, there's, there's no refreshing actually in that word. And, and so this idea of schwab to repair, to restore, to bring back, it's, it's the idea that a guy could save up money and go buy a, a brand new car, but instead what he does is he looks for the antique car that he can buy and that he can go little by little time by time, money by money, can go and restore that older thing back to the original state that it was intended to be. It's, it's kind of like I have a buddy that, that loves to do restoration of cars. His name is Jerry, and uh, he, he went and took a 68 Camaro. He took a 69 Chevelle that were junk cars, that were cars that were going to be left for scrap. They were rusted. He, he went and he took them. He stripped them all down. He started building them from the ground up, put all new technology in them. Unbelievable amounts of time. Like anytime somebody says, hey, I want to go restore something, what they literally mean is I want to spend 10 times what it should cost for that thing to look like it's new again and 10 times the amount of time and so he took years and years to restore these cars that originally cost you know three or four thousand dollars and when he took them to auction would sell for two or three hundred thousand dollars incredible restoration but this is what I know it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of effort it takes a lot of money and I believe that that is a great description of what our shepherd does with sheep when they could be tossed out, when they could be left for junk, what our shepherd does is he steps into the middle of that situation and he goes, no, no, this isn't junk. This isn't something to throw away. This is actually something that I have some purpose for and I want to restore in life. And I know that there's some people here that you feel like you've been tossed out, that you feel like you've been left for dead, that you've been thrown to the side. And I'm here to tell you today, no matter where you are, that God brought you to church at Coastal Community Church this morning because he wants you to know that if you're still alive, he's not finished yet. And he's got something great for your life because he is a God of restoration that is who he is so the question comes in as as we've been talking about this how does this connect with sheep like why would a shepherd ever need to restore a sheep and over the last couple of weeks we've learned way more about sheep than any of you have probably ever wanted to know in your entire life but I think it's important that we understand because the one thing that kills sheep more than any other thing is not a lion, it's not a bear, it's not wolves. The number one killer of sheep is when a sheep becomes cast. 
And that word cast is C-A-S-T. And here's what a cast sheep, a cast sheep is one that is rolled over onto its back and it can't get up without assistance. So basically what happens is the sheep goes out and he eats a little bit too much or he's been playing too much and all of a sudden he gets to this place where he falls over and he actually ends up on his back. And when a sheep gets in a position like this, it does not have the ability to flip itself back over. Some of y'all are like, man, TJ, you're crazy. There's no way that that's true. Uh, let me just show you what a cast sheep looks like. This is an actually cast sheep that is out in a field that has got itself flipped upside down and it is now stuck in that position of life. And uh, when a real sheep is cast, you talk to any shepherd, the reality is, is this will kill more sheep than any other thing. It being flipped upside down in life. And here's what I know, is when you're in a position where you're flipped upside down as a sheep, the only one that can help you at this point is the good shepherd himself. So the question becomes is, what do I do when I find myself flipped upside down in life? Because I know so many people who feel like they are flipped upside down in life. Maybe you're flipped upside down in your marriage right now. Maybe you feel flipped upside down when it comes to the health aspects of your life. Maybe you feel flipped upside down financially. Maybe you feel flipped upside down from a mental state. I know a lot of people that are in a position where they are flipped upside down. And, and the only thing that is gonna bring a solution to your life when you're in this place is if you have a proper relationship with the good shepherd who can begin to restore you back to a place where you are right side up in your life. And, and, and so the question is, is how do we get right side up? But before we figure out how to get right side up, I think we have to talk about how do we end up upside down? Like what causes us to become upside down? What what, how does a sheep actually become cast in life, they become cast through one of, of three things: through exhaustion, through through cockiness, and through separation. Those three things is is the reason a sheep that is upright will all of a sudden find itself flipped upside down in life and not able to get back to the correct position. And so, let me just talk a little bit about those three words. The first one we, we said is exhaustion. And so what happens is, is a sheep is, is out and it's being driven so hard. It's going to places so fast and as quick as it can that over time, because it's working so hard and it's so diligent, it can't seem to put the right foot in front of the other foot any longer. And all of a sudden, it starts to lose its balance. And when it loses its balance, it falls over and it ends up side down. And I would suggest to you that most of the time, we make our worst decisions when we are in a state of exhaustion. Like when we're tired, like we don't ever make good decisions in that, po in that point in time. And here's what I found in my life. Whenever I'm tired, man, I just, I just, I, I have terrible instincts. I mean, I operate out of this place of exhaustion. And the reason I do that is because I don't take proper breaks. I don't choose to rest. And I'm gonna guess that a lot of us, our problem in life is, is that we don't choose rest. We don't take proper breaks. We don't believe in Sabbathing. And what you do is you find yourself upside down because you're walking in such a way that it's making it easy for you to get flipped upside down. 
So, so what God says is, hey, listen, I don't want you to operate for rest. I want you to actually operate from a place of rest. Like so many of us are trying to earn our way and make our way into heaven instead of realizing that the work of the cross was already done by Jesus Christ. There's nothing that we can do to attain goodness. Goodness is already bestowed, bestowed upon us by the work of the cross. And so we don't work for rest. We actually begin to work from a place of rest, and that's what God wants for all of us. Let me just tell you this. I believe that the greatest idol in America today is not money. It's actually busyness. We are just so busy today, and we think it is a badge of honor, and we just go, 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 go. And here's what the enemy has realized, man. If he can't get you to quit, you know what he'll do? He'll get you to speed up. And the faster he gets you going, you know what it's going to cause you to do? Eventually, it's going to cause you to trip and fall and end up upside down. So what do we have to do? We have to slow down. So how do we prevent exhaustion in life? We have to learn to rest. We have to learn to rest. The Bible calls it Sabbath. It's, it's about taking a break. And sometimes we need to learn to rest. How do we keep ourselves from cockiness? Another way that we find ourselves flipped upside down is those moments where we just get way too sure of ourselves. And, and, and I'll be honest, this is my problem in life. I have a tendency to become cocky. In fact, I remember one weekend I was, I was up here, I was preaching this, week, this one weekend, and I thought, man, I preached an incredible message, and like it was moving, and people were getting things out of it. There was response way more than I'm getting today, and uh, it, was, it was good, and I remember getting off the stage and going and talking to Shayla. I was like, man, that was a good message. She's like, yeah, that was a great message, but you have a big old hole in your crotch. So during preaching, I'd ripped a big hole right here all the way back. And I was wondering why it was so easy to flow that weekend. And I was just. <laughs> Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So how do we prevent cockiness? Because here's what'll happen. A sheep will get off by itself and it'll start playing on the rocks and it'll start jumping around trying to impress other sheep. And like we learned in week one, all of a sudden it'll end up in a hole and it'll find itself upside down down. And how do we prevent cockiness? Here's what you have to do. You have to learn to walk in humility. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. He says, man, just sit there for a moment and think and evaluate and go, man, I'm not going to think about myself more highly than I should. I'm going to recognize my place in the hierarchy of God is here and I'm down here. And so if God is here and I'm not down here, then I'm gonna know that there is a place of humility that I have to live in. And the greatest problem we have in life is when we start believing our own press. The moment you start believing the likes that you get on Instagram and the people commenting on Facebook and the accolades and awards that you have, and you start thinking, man, I did this, is the moment that you begin to fall. It's the moment that, that the enemy pounces on you and all of a sudden you start thinking of yourself in a greater level and that's not how God wants us to walk. He actually wants us to walk in humility. And we have to recognize that whatever God does in our life through us, it is by his grace, not by any 
thing that we actually bring to the table because we're nothing special. The last one is, is what happens for the sheep is, is, is they end up separated from the rest of the sheep. Now, now this is kind of interesting to me because I don't know if you've ever seen how sheep travel uh, it, when they're going places. In fact, I, I found this picture of, of sheep that are being herded down this road. And how many of y'all know that's a lot of sheep right there? It's a lot of sheep, but, but what's interesting about this picture is that you realize that when you are together, like there's nowhere you can fall to the left. There's nowhere that you can fall to the right. There's nowhere that you can fall back. There's nowhere that you can fall forward. That there isn't another sheep right there that will prevent you from finding your way upside down. The only way you end up upside down is if you get off by yourself. That's why Ecclesiastes tells us two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if one falls down, his companion can lift him up, but the one, but pity the one who falls without another to help him up. So how do we prevent this in our life? How to prevent separation? It's one word, it's called accountability. And accountability has gotten a negative connotation over time, but accountability basically says this, I'm gonna ask you questions and make sure that you don't deceive yourself. Because here's what I've learned in life. You know who I lie to the most in my life? Me. Hey, I'm gonna give you a heads up. You know who you lie to the most in your life? You. And the greatest thing that is hurting you in life right now are the things that you don't know about you. And the only reason you don't know those things is because you've never asked anyone, hey, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Hey, what do you see in my life that maybe I'm not seeing right now that I should see? Like, what are some things that, that are hurting me that I'm not recognizing in my life? And when you get those kind of people in your life, you'll find it's really, really hard to end up upside down because you have people that are making sure you're not falling to the left or to the right. And honestly, I'm so thankful that I have people in my life that will tell me the things that I don't know about myself. Like, my wife and, and, and Pastor Susie, all the time when I'm talking to them, will tell me, hey, TJ, you're doing that face. And I know exactly what that means because they say, we, we had this, this evaluation through our staff one time to where we sat down with each other and we said, hey, what's it like being on the other side of me? And somebody said to me, hey, TJ, when I'm talking to you, you have this look on, the, on your face like I'm an idiot. And what you're telling me is when you're looking at me, no matter what I'm saying is that is the stupidest thing you've ever heard. Well, I didn't know that because I can't see my face. Come on, can anybody relate? Like, I have no idea what my face is doing while you're talking to me. But I'm trying to be very aware. In fact, I've told them, hey, listen, if I'm giving you stupid face, let me know. And I'll let you know if I think you're stupid in that moment or not, okay? We'll, we'll, we'll interact here. And they'll go, hey, you're giving me, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I, I, I tell them, man, I'm just trying to think about this. Listen, there are things that I didn't know about me that are hurting me. Listen, there are things that you do that you don't know you do that are hurting you right now. 
Get some people in your life that will tell you about those things. And you will never know about it unless you ask somebody to tell you about it. It's so funny to me because what will happen is, is you'll have friendships and you'll have relationships in life. And one of your friends will go, hey, did you hear about, about Steve and, and Cindy and, and that their marriage is falling apart? Or did you hear that Steve and Cindy, that, uh, that, that they're going through bankruptcy right now? You know what all their friends will say? Man, I saw that coming. Oh, I, I could have told you that was going to happen. Well, if you could have told them that was going to happen, why didn't you tell them? Because they never asked. Some of us, our biggest problem in life is we have never asked the questions about ourselves and received the feedback without getting defensive. So you're gonna have some people in your life that you will take some critique from, because it's not criticism. Critique is different. They're trying to make you better. Criticism is, is, I just want to tear you down, but critique is, is, I want to make you better. And we need that in your life. So how does somebody become cast? They get exhausted. They get cocky. They end up all by themselves and they're separated. And I don't want you to end up on your back. But the fact is, is many of you are upside down right now in life. That's why David says this in Psalm 42. He says, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. That word downcast is the same idea of being flipped upside down. He says, listen, if you're flipped upside down, here is the solution to your problem. You have to go back to putting your hope in the good shepherd who wants to care for you and get you right side back up. So how do we allow the good shepherd to do that in our life? Number one, if you're taking notes, you have to allow the shepherd to meet you where you're at. You have to allow him to meet you where you're at because I, I talk to people all the time that are in some desperate situations and they think to themselves, you know what? If I just fix my life, when I fix my life, then I'll go back to church. When I fix my life, then I'll go to God and I'll surrender to him. Like when I put it all together, then I'll be ready for God. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. That is like me having my truck break down and go, you know what? After I fix my truck, then I'll take it to the mechanic. The problem is, is I have no skills when it comes to being a mechanic. In fact, I'm not gonna make my truck better, I'm actually gonna make my truck worse. Same thing is true with your life. You got yourself into that position, what makes you think you're gonna be able to work yourself out of it? Like if you already knew the answers, you wouldn't be in that spot. So what you need to do in that moment is you need to get back to the good shepherd who actually formed you and made you and numbered the, head, the hairs on your head, who put an identity in you, put a purpose in you, and allow him to reformulate and rebuild some things and restore some things right where you are. That's why I love this story in Matthew where Jesus says, man, I'll leave the 99 and I'll go find the one. The, that story doesn't make sense in our context, but, but I, when you, you'll get the understanding of it when you get how good our good shepherd is. It says this in Matthew 18. He says, what do you think? If a man owns 100 sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that has wandered 
off. And I want to talk to some people that feel like they have wandered off. Maybe, maybe you haven't physically wandered off, but you feel like a dream has wandered off. Or you feel like your hope has wandered off. Or you feel like your joy has wandered off. Or your purpose has wandered off. I want you to know that God will leave everything that's going on and go and search with you right where you are and find you to bring you back to the place that he always intended for you. And if you'll make your way back to him right where you are, he'll begin to do the restoration process in your life. Number two, here's what you need to know. Restoration is a process. Don't fight it. It's a process. Don't fight the process. Everybody loves the overnight, the microwave, the instant everything in today's society. And let me just tell you, that is not how God works. It's also not how a shepherd restores a cast sheep. In fact, I, I found a video of this guy. He was walking in the field. We're gonna put it up. Here he is. He's walking up on this sheep. There's no sound. And so here's what happened. He walks up the sheep, and this is us, and we're like, no, don't touch me. I'm trying to do it my way. I told you I've got this. Stop, stop. Get, up, get away from I'm gonna figure it out on my own. I know how to do this. Okay, okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, God. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. Oh, stumbling. A lot of us, that was a description of the last 10 years of your life right there. You're trying to figure it out on your own. You're trying to fight God, and God is trying to get into the middle of your life and restore you. And I want to talk to you for just a second because there is a process to your restoration. And I'm going to guess a lot of you realize that it's been years and years creating the mess that you're in. And I just want to let you know, this is probably going to take some time to get you out of that mess. Like, it's not going to be an instant, like, I'm perfect and everything is restored in life. Because when a shepherd meets you where you're at and you're flipped upside down, there is actually a process to restoring you because depending on the length of time, and this is just tons of sheep research, depending on the length of time that a sheep has been on his back, gases will start to move in his body and, and differentiate to different places. And if a shepherd flips a sheep over too fast like that random guy did it in that field, if that sheep had been on his back for, say, like 22 or 23 hours, the moment that, that guy flipped that sheep over, because of the gases, it would have it caused the sheep to be dizzy, which is why you saw that sheep fall, but it would have actually killed the sheep. So what the shepherd will do is he'll recognize that, man, I, I've got to do this slowly. So there's going to be a little bit. It's 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 going to be a little bit. I'm going to make sure you're good. In fact, a lot of times once they get the sheep flipped over, they'll actually hold the sheep between its legs so that it can't go. So it can get, it can get uh, all the, the, its balance back. So it can get all of its functionality back. So it, it can allow the gases. It'll actually massage its sides to work the gases out of its body so that when the sheep is let go, the sheep actually can live. And I think this is important for us to understand. God is not looking at the instant in your life. He's actually looking at the long term of your life. And he doesn't want what you want just for the moment. He wants what's best for you for your lifetime. 
And so he's trying to take you on this process of giving you long-term success in your life. So the shepherd will go little by little. And I, know, I don't know what they told you about. You're going to be an overnight success, but they lied to you. It's not how it works. If you give yourself to the restoration process, you'll, you'll realize that everything truly worth doing takes longer than you expect. Everything. Man, I fell in love with Shayla at 11 years old. It took her until 20 to figure out that it was a good move. We planted this church in September of 2009. It's taken till, till uh, June of 2021 for it to be as healthy as it is today. I started playing golf 15 years ago. It took me 15 years to finally break par playing golf. Everything truly worth doing takes longer than you expect. And everything that is worthwhile in life, you know what it takes? It takes time. So if you're going to do anything great for God, if you're going to see any kind of breakthrough in your life, I want you to commit yourself to the process that God has for you. Let me just be real with you. I, I, I know so many people that say, man, I'm struggling in my marriage. And during quarantine, you did a 30-minute Zoom uh, counseling session. You're like, this doesn't work. Like everything worthwhile takes time. Don't give up on that marriage. It's going to take a lot of effort. Listen, greatness doesn't happen in a day. You know what it does? It happens daily. Some of y'all need to hear that again. Greatness does not happen in a day. You know what it does? It happens daily. So you go, you know what? I'm gonna make a daily decision that I'm gonna stick to the process of whatever God has for me daily. And every single day, I'm gonna submit myself to going, God, you're the good shepherd. I'm gonna follow whatever you tell me to do. Well, well Pastor TJ, I read my Bible once and it didn't work. Well, read it again. Read it daily, pray every day, shoot fast every once in a while, do something daily and do it consistently and you'll see the great things that you're wanting in your life when you start doing those things daily and you stay committed to the process. And I just wanna challenge you, church, stay committed to the process of God restoring you and making you like brand new. Again, he's got a process to restore you. And I just think that if some of you would submit yourselves to it and you would allow him to work that process, he would put you right back into the place that you were called to be. And then finally, number three, we have to stay humble. Because this is the worst thing that happens. And I'm not really sure why it happens, but the moment that God begins to restore you and things start going good and that marriage gets good and that business is going good and, and, and life is going good, you know what you start to believe? I did this. I made this happen. We start to think, look at how great I am. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, so if you think you are standing firm, here's what you need to do. You need to be careful. You need to be careful that you don't get flipped upside down. Why? Because it's so easy for us to get back to that place of thinking that, man, we've done this. And we go, man, I got me to this place, not God. And I've just seen it in my life. As soon as people start taking the credit 
as soon as you start taking the glory, as soon as you start taking all the accolades that belong to Jesus, that's when the fall comes and what happens is you find yourself flipped upside down again. And I just learned from my own life, the same shepherd who saves me is the one who sustains me. And I don't ever forget where I was rescued from. I don't ever forget that I was in a, in a gutter, passed out, thrown up all over myself and addicted when God found me. Because I didn't find God, God found me. He was on a search and rescue mission for me. Just like he was on a search and rescue mission for you, he left the 99 to go find you. And so when things start going good, you know what happens? Man, I deflect that glory because I know where that glory deserves to go. Because I know me. I know where I, when I was leading my life, where it ended up. But the moment I surrendered to the good shepherd, everything changed. So here's what I want us to do. I just want you to bow your head right there. Maybe you're online right now. Just bow your head. And will you just take a second? to reconnect with that savior that rescued you. Will you just begin in, in there to yourself, begin to thank him for all that he has done and all that he's continuing to do in your life, how he saved you and how he's restoring you and how he's, he's breaking those addictions and he's filling your life with good things. And I just sense that there's some of you that are out there that you're wanting to quit on the process right now. You're wanting to quit on the process of restoring that marriage. You're wanting to quit right now on the process of, uh, uh, of getting your finances in order. You're wanting to quit on the Dave Ramsey plan. You're wanting to quit on, on living that healthy lifestyle. You're wanting to, to quit on, on overcoming that addiction. You're wanting to quit on, on that group that you've been attending. Shoot, you're even thinking about quitting the church right now. And I want to encourage you. So many of the things that you're wanting to quit right now are the very things that God is trying to use to restore you in life. Don't quit on the process. Tell God and say, man, God, I'm going to submit myself to your process. And I'm going to surrender to your way so I can find myself on my feet again. God, I, I just pray right now for our church, for all the people who find themselves upside down in life. God, that you are a God that restores our soul. And I, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to move and begin to flip things that are upside down, right side up, little by little by little in our lives so that we can fully be restored to who you created us to be. And maybe there's some of you that You've never had an encounter with the good shepherd, the good shepherd that loves you so much that he knew you would get your life flipped upside down. And he said, you know what, I'll make a way where there is no way. And he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth and to die a sinner's death, a death that you and I deserved. Paid the ultimate price so that we could experience a relationship with the good, good shepherd that we can be restored into that and maybe you're here and maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time you need to come back to the good shepherd and you need to surrender your life to him with every head bowed and every eye closed if you would say you know what pastor tj i've been living my own way and my life's flipped upside down and i need to surrender today to the good shepherd
Surrender my will and my way. If you just slip your hand up at the count of three, we'd love to pray with you, everybody watching online. If you just put your hand up there in the... The chat area on the count of three, if you just slip it up. One, two, three. I need to surrender. Yes, ma'am, I see you back there. Thank you. One. Anybody else? Yes, sir, I see you over there. Thank you. Yes, I see you back there. Three. Thank you very much. You guys can put your hands down. If you just pray this prayer in your heart as I prayed out loud, say, God, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, to live a perfect life. To die a sinner's death, the death that I deserve. God, I ask you to forgive me of all the things that have gotten my life flipped upside down. I surrender my will and my way to you. God, I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, take over. God, I don't just want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to lead God and direct me all the days of my life. And as I do, God, will you fill my life with your joy and your peace and your patience and your goodness and your love and your mercy. Help me to know you better and follow your ways all the days of my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.